Has anybody ever done that cupcake style like that? Is that amazing or what? I can't wait to go try it. Like that's, that's all I can think about right now. It's like, and I have to wait 21 days to try it out now. Unbelievable. Everybody say how to. Obviously, with a series entitled How To, you're going to get some pretty practical knowledge and wisdom and information, and that's what this series is designed to do. And so when we started this series, we, we sat back and asked ourselves the question, what is it that we think would really, really help you start your year off right? And so we literally started with that sermon, How To Start Your Series Off Right. Go watch that online. It was a really, really cool sermon that's going to, I'm telling you, if you took that sermon and listened to that on the first day of every month and just walk yourself right back through that process. It would keep you on track. It would solidify your year. It would make sure that 2014 is just an incredible year for you. So uh, go watch that online. Last week we talked about fasting. Everybody say fasting. That's what we're talking. That's what we're into right now, fasting. And then this week, I'm going to keep it real practical. And so normally every year I do an entire series on the idea of how is it that God would want us to handle and take care of our finances. Like what's the biblical principle and the biblical way and the godly way for us to treat our stuff, our money, our possessions, our income, our savings, our investing, all that stuff. Like what does the Bible have to say? And so today we are going to get real practical into how to manage your finances. And here's what I need to say. Is, is normally I would do an entire series on this. I'm condensing it all down into one week. And so this is going to be kind of like an information dump. It's going to be real simple, real practical. But I believe this. I believe that God really, really, really wants you blessed. That's just what I believe. Here's what else I believe. I believe you want you blessed. I, here's what you don't know. I actually think God wants you more blessed than you want you blessed. And you're like... I can't believe that. That's incredible because I really, really want me blessed. God does. So here's the the dilemma and the tension I've always faced is if God wants you to be blessed and you want you to be blessed, like, why isn't there more blessing? Isn't that the obvious question? Like, well, I really want me to be blessed. I really do. I'm confident of that. And and the pastor in the Bible is telling me that, that God wants me to be blessed. What's the tension in between? And the tension in between is, is how we handle, treat, and think about our finances. And that gap right there, sometimes we fall into that gap and we lose and miss out on all that God wants to do on us. So anyway, before we begin, though, I want to get a gauge of how smart you are financially. Can I do that? So we're going to take a financial quiz. I just want to see how smart you are. I think you're smart people, but this is, this is the true indicator. So we're going to take a real... A real simple quiz here today. All right, question number one. Who or what is, is featured on the back of a penny? Is it, is it Abraham Lincoln, the Lincoln Memorial, the Lincoln Bedroom, or the Lincoln Continental? How many of y'all say B? Is everybody going with B? Is this like pull the crowd? Okay, that's true. It's the Lincoln Memorial. So you guys, you guys are smart. Good. There you go. Okay. Number two is this. Hey, what's... Everybody's got pennies. Not everybody's got 50s. What's depicted on the, on the front and back of a 50? Is it Andrew Jackson and the White House? Is it Harry Truman and his daughter on the piano? Is it Ulysses S. Grant? Or is it, yeah, Ulysses S. Grant and the U.S. Capitol? Or is it Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga? It's not D, okay? I just, I just needed something to fill in to make four, and I made that up. So it's not D. Don't even go there, okay? So what, what's the answer? Does anybody know? A or C? Yeah, C. Some of you guys were confident on the penny one. 50s. Hey, what's the average salary of an NFL quarterback? Does anybody know? Too much. That's the answer. It really is. Anybody? What's your guess? Anybody? 
I heard $1.9 million. Now that's, but that's like the backups, you know? Like this is the average. So like, you know, the the third stringers, second stringers, because if you're Peyton Manning, you're making what? You're making what? 15, 20 mil a year or something? What? 25, okay. And he's the highest paid, right? He's, he's anyway. He ought to be. He's pretty good. Um, Okay, here's a good question. See how many of you did this. If you invested $1,000 in Apple stock in 1980, how much would it be worth today? A lot. Another great answer. Too much and a lot. Those are... How many of you did this? Anybody? Because I want you to tithe today. (laughs) I got three million. Three million. Yeah, how many of you wish you would have done that now? I'm like, babe, remember I wanted to do that. I was only one, and so I didn't have the option. Oh, this is a good question. Average credit card debt per household consumer. Eight grand. I heard eight. Anybody else want to? Too much? Can I get another too much? 25? Is that like 25 bucks? 2,500? 25 grand? You're in the grand. Anybody else? Here it is. 15 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and check... Per household consumer. How many of those you got in your house? Oh, man, I just made you cry inside a little bit. All right, next question. Average student loan debt. I hear a lot of, how many of y'all have some student loans? You still, yeah. All right, here it is, $32,250. Go to community college first, then go to the university, okay? What's the, oh, what's the average cost of a wedding? Too much to the man. Hey, I was at your daughter's wedding, okay? We, we did that, you know. 25? 25 grand, wow. I wasn't even ready for the answer to come up. Okay, all right, true or false? Let's go to the next one. True or false? 5% of lottery ticket buyers... By 51% of all tickets sold. Is that true or false? True. Anybody want to false it? All right. Answer is true. That's pretty sad though, huh? Next question. True or false? The flu virus can survive outside the body for an average of 40 hours, but it can live on a dollar bill for five days. What do I got? True? Let me say false. Ten days. <laughs> That's why we want you to put that money into an envelope. You know what I mean? Put it in an envelope. Don't be just spreading your germs and your flu everywhere. All right, here we go. Last question. True or false, money can make you happy? You're at church. Does anybody just want to say true? Hey, the, the, I obviously believe the answer is false, but, but like, you know, I heard, I heard somebody say, well, you know, the person that says false doesn't know where to shop at. That's the problem. <laughs> Hey, I heard, I heard a parent say this. A parent, it was a parent with, with adult children. They said, money can't make you happy, but it'll keep you in contact with your children. <laughs> I mean, your kids will always be there. You know what I mean? If, you, if you've got money, always going to have your kids around. So obviously, we believe the answer is false. We believe that happiness comes from somewhere much deeper and richer than that. And so here's why I want to talk to you about your finances. And, and here's why it's so important. People have a hard time and a reluctancy uh, about talking at church and money and putting the two together. They get real uncomfortable. They're worried. They've seen 
much heard too much negativity. They think, oh, I, I, I grew up with a dad like that. I grew up with a dad was, that was like, oh, the preachers want your money again. And, um, and he was a guy that was a good guy and gave, but I mean, he just, he, even he felt the tension. So I want you to put you, to put you at rest. There's no second offering. We're not raising money for anything right now. I mean, this is just about me wanting to help you. This is about me wanting you to position yourself so that you can be financially blessed. And here's why I have to talk about it. It's because Jesus talked about it. And so I can't just like pick and choose the things that I like. I mean, I can't treat Jesus like the buffet line. I can't go get all the goody stuff that I like and then leave the vegetables or the other things and the things that I don't like. I've got to take all that Jesus said. Well, here's what you need. Jesus said a lot. Jesus actually talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Listen to this. 2,500 verses in the Bible regarding money, possessions, and stuff. 15% of Jesus' recorded teachings has to do with money, possessions, or stuff. I mean, there's a lot about it. So, like, you need to know that God cares about it. And this is what people say is, well, well money, is the, money is a spiritual thing. That's what Jesus taught. Money is a spiritual thing. He would say these, these crazy, insightful things. He would say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart is connected to your stuff. Did you know that? He says it in another place so radically. He says that, he says, no one can serve two masters. You just can't. You're either going to love the one and hate the other or serve the one and despise the other. He goes, therefore, no one can serve both God and money. These are the words of Jesus. Like, Jesus said this stuff. And and you can't parallel that with Jesus saying somewhere later, you can't serve God and the devil. It wasn't like that was like a slogan of his. That wasn't his catchphrase. You can't serve God and the devil. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and your stuff or yourself or anything. No, no. The only time he ever says that phrase is regarding your stuff. Do you know why? It's because there's there's this incredibly sensitive nerve. You know what the most sensitive nerve is? It's the nerve that connects your heart to your bank account. It is. This is why sometimes we clinch up or get up tight when the preacher starts talking about money. So relax. We want to know this. We want to know, God, if you have so much to say about finances, what is it that I need to do? And so today, like I said, we're going to keep it really really practical. So before I begin with any of these principles that I really want you to live by, you need to know this, like the two most important questions that you can ever ask yourself about money is this. Number one is this, is what's my vision? What's my vision? Like some of us never even think in those terms, do we? We just think, well, money comes in and money goes out. And there's always more going out than it's coming in. And it seems like as soon as it comes in, it quickly goes out. And I would ask you the question, what is your financial vision? Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people do what? They perish. Yeah, where there is no vision, you live paycheck to paycheck. Where there is no vision, you, you, couples fight over what gets spent where. You ever notice that? Like married couples would be like, you're always a little bit skeptical. You're always a bit like, I used to think my, my wife was hoarding money somehow. I'd be like, you have a savings account somewhere. You are, you are somehow cubbying our money and doing something. I'm like, and, but but here, here's the deal. When you have a financial vision and, and all that goes into it, whether it's a plan and a budget and a, and a system, and you have all these things, you say, no, no, I know exactly. We pray about this. We think about this. We talk about this. And we set a plan and agenda because we have a vision for our finances. Because when, hey, when you don't have a vision, you end up having to dig yourself out of the $15,000 of per household Credit card debts, because there wasn't a vision. The, sec- the second question is like this, is what's your values? 
You gotta, and, and this is the, what you need to know is that your values drive your vision. You can't separate one from the other. You have financial values. If you want to prove it, don't, here, here's the thing you don't want to do. Don't ask yourself what your values are because you'll come up with like really, really nice sounding things. Here's what you want to do. If you really want to know what your financial values are, just go check your bank statement. Because it will already be a reflector of your current values. So like, depending on where all that money goes, if we were just to examine your checkbook and examine your bank statement, we could tell real quickly where your values are. And, and some of you, what you need to do is to pray and say, God, what values should I have and how can I now realign that and make sure my vision and my values match so that I'm on pace and I'm on plan and I'm on track. Listen to this, Proverbs 21 verse five. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So what's your vision and what's your values? Where are you going financially? What, what is it? You, again, is it something that we just don't even consider? We don't pray about it. We don't think about it. We just use mama's wisdom or what the latest Yahoo article was or what, whatever. That's how we gauge our financial decisions. And I would say, no, no. Well, what if we started with God and said, God, what's the vision and the values that you want me to hold when it comes to how I treat my finances? Because God wants you to prosper. Let me say that again. Because some of y'all grew up in churches, and, and, and there's two extremes in churches. There's the one extreme that's like the prosperity gospel that's like everybody needs to be rich and drive a Mercedes. And then there's the other extreme, which is everybody should be broke so God can keep you humble. Okay, I don't like either of those. Here's, here, here's the working definition of, pros, uh, of prosperity as, as I'll define it for you. It's having your, need met, your needs met with enough left over to meet other people's needs. Like, how cool would that be? Have you ever thought about friends or loved ones or family members and, and you knew they were struggling financially? You ever wanted to help them out? You wanted to bless them, wanted to do things for them, help them take a vacation because they hadn't had one in 10 years? You wanted to pay off some of their credit card debt so they could finally get ahead a little bit? You wanted to help somebody with a college tuition? Or how many of you know that there's a thing going on at church and you want to be able to give towards this or do this? How many of you know, like, prosperity is God, and this is what God wants for all of us, is to have all of our needs met with enough left over that we can start meeting other people's needs as well. And we get this idea because God says he wants you to be a blessing to the world around you. So how is it that you, you, you'll never be able to do that until you have at least your needs met and have a little bit more to start meeting other people's needs as well. God wants you to prosper. How many of you believe that? You believe it. Some of you are all reluctant. You're not sure yet. I promise you, God loves you. He wants you to be blessed. But the blessing comes when we put ourselves in position. And here's the five principles of, of, of what I want to say, biblical prosperity. Are you ready? Real simple. I'm telling tell you, I'm keeping it real practical this week. Number one is this. You need to work hard. Like, this is what we went to for? <laughs> yeah, you need to work. This is a, listen. All right, I'm going to read the scripture. Because <laughs> y'all thought I just made that up, you know. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to you. I want you to hear his heart. We appeal to you. Forget that. We command you, settle down, get to work, earn your own living. Like, like that's in the Bible? I thought Jesus loved me and there was prayer and children being blessed. No, no, no. Get to work. That's biblical. Get a job, a J-O-B. Go get one. It is good to work. Like, we live in a generation today, and, and, and when you ask people generationally where we're at in terms of American history or the or way that culture is, is moved towards, you know what our current, I'm going to say our young people's generation is being labeled at? 
the thing that they're being titled as, as being the thing that defines them, is they are an entitled generation. It's an entitlement generation. Everybody thinks they're entitled to something that you, you just, we owe you, you deserve. You just, just by, just by waking up and looking so pretty like you are, you deserve something. And the Bible doesn't teach this. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, he don't eat. Like, get good to work and go, and, and now here's, here's what you need to know. Like, if you can't work, that's different. So I'm not trying to like make somebody that can't work feel bad, but if you are able to, you should work. That's a biblical idea. Do you know that the very first thing that God did with Adam in the Garden of Eden was what? He had him go to work. And work is a good thing. Work is where we find a sense of worth and a sense of accomplishment. Work is how we express the, the, the strength and the mind that God has given us. Work is a good thing. I think if we lived a life that was completely just bent on pleasure, 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 we would, we would corrode from the inside out. That literally we would have mental and emotional problems. You're designed to work. Work is a good thing. And not only just work, hey, work excellently. If you're going to be a, a, a follower of Jesus and be a person that's in your workplace and everybody knows you're a Jesus follower, you know what, in my opinion, you should be the best worker there. If not, don't say nothing. But as a, as a Christ follower, the Bible says that when we work, we should work as unto the Lord, which means this, we, we should be working for God. We know that God gets glory when we do excellent work. And so work, hard work, number one is hard work. Number two, you need to plan wisely. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. This is funny. Riches can disappear fast. Can I get an Amen. Riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. Now, how many have flocks? Herds? Nobody in here. I got no farmers in this church. Okay, here's, so we don't watch our flocks and our herds. What do we watch? We watch our stuff. We watch our business. We watch our money. We watch our investments. We watch what's going on. Listen to this, Proverbs 23, verse 23. Get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. Like, you need to plan wisely. I just want to tell you that. Like, you need to have a plan. And here's the, here's the dirty, this is the four-letter word, none of with budget. And you're all like, that's not four. Y'all treat it like that, though. Because anytime I've ever got up and talked about being on budget, like, it gets super quiet up in here, and it's like a funeral now instead of a, of a wedding. And, and y'all get all, you know, what, listen, every great steward and manager of finances keeps a good record. That's all there is to it. You've got to keep a good record. And so if you're going to plan wisely and you're going to have a plan for what God has given you, you need to have a budget. Here's, here's what you need to, to figure out. Here's the four things you need to know. Number one is this, what I owe. I'm sorry, what I own. Number one, you got to figure that out. Like, what do I own? What do I got? Where is it? How much is invested where? Number two is what do I owe? Which the answer for many of us is too much. What do I earn? And where is it going? Everybody's budget is built on those components. Everybody, when they make plans, they got to figure, what do I already have? What's coming in? Where is it going? And being able to track all of it. And when you do this, I'm telling you, listen, listen to this, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. Stupid people. Somebody's like, we don't say that word in our house. Sorry. Uh, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Here's my question. What is your plan for your finances? Because when you don't have a plan, money disappears quickly, doesn't it? So like, if you're going to be blessed, because what did I tell you? I told you that God wanted you to be blessed. But see, when you read the Bible, what you'll find is this, is that 
again, to the degree that you can do this stuff is to the degree in which God can bless you. Here, I'm going to prove it to you. Luke 16, verse 11. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Like, that's a radical notion, isn't it? Like, to the degree at which I can be faithful with my money, that's the measuring stick that God uses to see how I will be faithful with everything else in this life and the life to come. Number three is this, uh, invest consistently. Invest consistently. Um, Proverbs 21 verse 20 says this, that the wise man saves for the future. Another scripture that's, that's really, really good. Listen to this, Proverbs 13, 11. Money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. So if you've got a plan and you've got a budget, you know you're working for things, you know that part of that budget is what? Because y'all, all, all y'all think is I'm going to put like giving in there. No, part of your budget should be saving for your future. It should be investing for the future. Here's the reality. We're all going to reach a point in our lives where we can't work the way that we're working now. And we might not be able to draw an income like we're drawing right now. And so you need to prepare and plan for the future. Here's some things you need to plan for. Um, You need to have some saving goals. Like you just need to start planning to put money away. Number two is this. You need some emergency savings. The oh no fund. Because I don't know if you know this, but like cars, they break down. They do. You ever had a car break down on you? Yeah, y'all had a car break down on you. How many of you were planning on that car to break down? How many of you wish that car would last forever? Yeah, we all do, but it don't. It never will. So we might as well go ahead and set aside some oh no funds for that sickness, that broken car, that thing at the house, whatever it is. Number three is this, you need some spending goals. I want you to know, like, it's good to spend money. Like, I still love going out on a date with my wife and going shopping. There's nothing wrong with spending money or having some things that you set aside to, I really, really want this. And so rather than go put it on a credit card, which, remember that $15,000 or, yeah, $15,000 per household consumer, which is not a big deal because it's only, you know, it's only getting hit up with like 16% interest. So it's not that bad anyway, right? So, So rather than adding to that, what if I set aside money? It's amazing because when I grew up, and this is only for people like that are at least my age or older, we had this crazy, crazy thing. Remember Kmart had this plan called layaway. Y'all remember layaway? This was the don't go in debt plan is what that was. It was set a little bit aside, set a little bit aside, and don't go into debt. But today we have an entitlement generation. We just think, well, now I can put it on a credit card. Yeah, yeah, like I, it won't cost me anything. It's money that I don't even have yet. But it is costing you costing you about 16% interest every single month. So anyway, think about it. Think about what are my saving goals? What's my emergency fund? What are my spending goals? And then lastly, here's a great one. What are your giving goals? Like, I I would love for some of you to say, I want some giving goals. Some of you have never written a a, a big check to say, I want to do something big for the kingdom of God. I mean, go back and think like, you know, why give this every month? And some of us fall in that category where we just give like a little bit every week or some of us are committed tithers and so we know that we have a percentage of our our income, it's 10% and we know that's directly to the Lord. But like, what if even beyond that? What if we said, man, I've got a goal. What if you sat down with your spouse and said, babe, let's do something. I call my wife, babe. Babe, what if we did something cool? Let's do this. Let's start setting aside money now because we want to be able to give $1,000 at this year's whatever. We want to be able to give $1,000. But like some of you have never written a check for $1,000 and it would make you turn on the inside. 
Some of you would get into a sweat. You'd lose sleep at night. The idea of writing a check for a thousand. What if you did that? What if you say, I want to make us to have a goal. And for some of you, that's nothing. For some of you, it needs to get even bigger and say, let's set aside a goal and make, make a, a goal of setting aside this much money so that we can give this. Doesn't that seem like, hey, doesn't that seem so much more worthwhile than setting aside your shopping goals? Let's just be honest. To take that on and say, God, we want to do something special this year. So we're going to start planning for it now. So number three is invest consistently. Number four is this, and I got to talk about it because the Bible talks about it. It's give generously. That's a part of God's blueprint. Because if God knows that every time you get something that you will have clenched fist and not let it go, then what would motivate God to give you any more? If he knows that every time he blesses you that the blessing stops there, why would he keep on blessing you? If, if your life is a dam instead of a river and it just kinda, you just kind of get into hoarding it mode, why would God continue to dump into that? No, God wants to bless you so that you can be a conduit for blessing and so that blessing goes through you. And so you've got to be, in your mind and in your heart, you've got to plan, I, I need to be a generous person. It's harder for us to do because none, none of us in this room, I've never in all my years of counseling now, never had one person come and tell me, hey, I have an issue with greed. I just, pastor, I need to confess it. I need you to help me. We need to work on this. I, it's just clear as day, I have, a, I have an issue with greed. I have never, in all the pastors that I know all around the country, I've never had them express that to me. No, because none of us ever see greed in the mirror. When none of us ever think that we're greedy. Well, here's my question for you. Would you ever label yourself as generous? And that's the goal to go for. That's the thing you want to be. Is I, I, I want to make sure that I live a life of generosity. Here, listen to this. Uh, Malachi chapter 3. I, I read this quite often to you. Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. And test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. I'm telling you that there's just a biblical principle to generosity. And when we're generous, God sees that. It becomes a target on your back for the blessing of God. It just does. Here's why you need to give. Number one is this. It's, it's an act of gratitude. Like when you give generously and you're a generous person, it is an act of gratitude. It just shows that you recognize, I didn't, I didn't figure this all out on my own. I didn't get this all on my own. God put me in the right place at the right time with the right people, gave me a mind and a strength and a body. And he, look, there, there's a lot I wouldn't have had God not been with me and been for me. And I just need to be grateful for that and in response be generous number two is this it, it just shows your priority like when you give first because so many of us do this in the book of malachi funny enough the, the book of malachi in essence he challenges the people and almost pretty much rebukes them and he says this to him he said why do you keep giving your jacked up offerings he said why do you give he said this is what y'all are doing because you gotta remember they didn't have remember they were they were having herds and um and fields right we talked about that earlier we don't have herds and fields and this is what they were doing, is they were bringing in their offering and they'd bring in a lamb. And he goes, why are you bringing the jacked up lamb? You brought in the blind one. Like you looked at your entire herd and you took the blind one. You over there, you took the one that, that had three legs. This is what Malachi says. He's literally saying, you bring in the blind and the broken and the maimed and you give that as your offering. What he's telling them is this. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't give God your leftovers. What honor is in that? You give God your first and that shows your priority. That God indeed is first. And number three, it's just an act of faith. You got to remember, again, these people gave their first, which meant before the rest of the harvest even came in, they set that aside. There was no guarantee of a, of a, of a future harvest at that point, but they knew this was the Lord's. And by doing that, even before the rest of the harvest came in, they knew that was their true act of faith. Listen to this, Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns. 
to overflow. I, I'm, just, I'm just showing you these because I don't, you know, I don't make this stuff up. Stuff's all in the Bible. And it gives you the blueprint. Number five is this. Last one, live gratefully. Live gratefully. Ecclesiastes verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. That's some simple truth, isn't it? Because here's, here's where we go. Let's just be honest. We live in a life where we are constantly surrounded by people that have more than us, right? Whether it's on TV or it's in advertising and it's ads that we see or it's the neighborhood we live in or the social groups or the people, whether it's the people at church or the people who are, some, there's always somebody driving something nicer than you, Right? Always somebody wearing something newer or something cooler or something else. And so, like, we're surrounded by this idea. And we, this is where we get the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. But see, the problem, you know what the problem with keeping up with the Joneses? As soon as you catch up to them, they refinance and then go get something new. You can't keep up with the Joneses. It, it, it's a moving target. It's, it's like the unicorn. It doesn't exist. Some people are like, well, the, look, the, the grass is just greener over there. The grass is greener on this side. Yeah, but their water bill is higher. And we're in a drought, so Relax. Don't be motivated to always have to have something more. What the Bible teaches is to be content, satisfied with what you have. Here's, here's the progression we go through. Um, number one, this is how it all begins. We, our yearnings start to outgrow our earnings. And then we overextend financially. Then we got to hustle to make ends meet. And then our family life deteriorates one way or the other. Because we thought we needed something more rather than being grateful and content with what you have. Hebrews 13, verse 5, I told you this is going to be practical and simple. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, be content with what you have. It really, really is that simple. I want to encourage you, like I said, God wants you to be blessed. And you want you to be blessed? The difference is this, is that God's way is the best way, and your, your way will lead to destruction. That's why... That's why the whole 51% of all lottery winners and lottery, I'm just going to help you out. You ain't going to win the lottery. All right, relax. Rather than trying to like keep getting on your favorite TV show, hoping somebody crashes into you so that you can sue them, or winning the lottery, stop. Stop. I want you to live biblically. I want you to live starting. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to invest consistently. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. And you start doing these simple biblical ideas. I mean, Paul said it like this in, in, in the book of Timothy. He said, godliness with contentment is a great gain. To godliness with contentment is a great gain. Here's what you can do with your money. So in, in light of, of, the, of, of, of your future, in light of where you go from today, here's what you can do with your money. This is how most people spend their money. Most people go through this progression, and this is, this is how we do it. Number one is this, we earn it. Isn't that right? First, you got to get a job, the J-O-B. you got to get a paycheck. Then you spend it. And if you spend too much, then you've got to repay it. Then whatever's left over, if there is any, then you save it. And then maybe, well, depending on what's over, we give it. Is that a fair? Am I being mean? Okay, that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Hey, you, you want to hear? This is what some people do, though. This is, this, is, this is what dumb people do. This is what the government does. First, they spend it. Then they earn it. This is the bad progression. You, you notice that? Just don't do that. They spend it. Then they earn it. Then they repay it. Then they save it. Then they get it. Here's, here's the way I want you to begin to think 
Here's what I would love for you to do with your money. This is the godly ways. First, we, we do earn it. And then we set aside and we give it. We don't give leftovers. We give first. And then we save it. And here's why. Because if you wait till the end to save, you won't. Really hung you out there. This is, hey, this is why the best way people can save into their 401k is to get it taken out in advance. Because you don't spend money you don't see. But, if you, but let, me, let me ask you a question. How many of you, if it wasn't automatically deducted out of your paycheck, it wouldn't go there, would it? It wouldn't. Why? Because we don't have the self-control and the self-discipline. That's why we ought to build in systems that help us be disciplined. That's, that's not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, talking about building this in, I know people that do this. With our online giving, you can set up re- reoccurring gifts that automatically come out on the first of every month or the middle of every month or however you want to set it up. And I know people do this for that very reason. They say, hey, I don't even want to touch it. I don't even want to think about it because if I have it, then I'll start wanting to go do this and then things will get tight and then my faith will be challenged and I'll be reluctant to give and then it'll be funky. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to set up online giving and let the Lord know, hey, I'm, I'm making, because I don't know that I'm that disciplined most of us don't label ourselves as discipline. So I'm going to set it up in advance. So we, we earn it. We give it. Then we save it. After that, we repay it. And then we spend it. It's a godly way to think about money. But as long as you think about money as your stuff, and this is mine, and I'll do what I want with it, then good. You're on your own. Good luck to you. But if you want God's intervention and God's blessing and God's hand all over your stuff, wouldn't it make the most sense to say this? Is if God, I want you involved in my finances, then you need to do it God's way. If you want God involved in your marriage, don't you want to do marriage God's way? If you want God involved in your children's life, shouldn't you parent God's way? Because when we decide, no, 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 I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do it my own way. What we end up doing is pushing God away and saying, no, no, no I got this. To which God would just say, okay, you got it then. But then we hit rock bottom, we hit disaster, we're like, Jesus! And we're like, well, you did it your way. I told you not to do that. Listen, let's, let's start now, because I, I guarantee you, there's, we have a great range of, of people in our church from old to young. If we were to pull the older people, they would tell you this. It's way easier to start off doing it God's way than to try to work back. Can I, can I get an amen? All you people out there, you're in your 30s, you're in your 20s, you're young people, and you're still at the, the, the beginning maybe of, of some of your financial decision making, I'm telling you, start doing this now. It's so hard to change, and sometimes you've got to work so hard to get back. This is why driving in the wrong direction is so painful, isn't it? I was hanging out with somebody that just went to Pennsylvania, and they were like, hey, Todd, you ever been to Pennsylvania? I said, yeah, but not on purpose. <laughs> when I was in college, I was driving back to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and when you get up into Ohio, you got to hang a left on 75 to get to Columbus, and um, all my little cronies were asleep in the back seat because it's like 2 a.m., and we had driven from North Carolina, and, and so sure enough, I just, I see a road, and I'm like, oh, there's 75, and I start going 75 east. I end up in Pennsylvania, but the problem with driving one hour in the wrong direction is what? It takes two hours now. You, 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 it's not just the one hour you've lost. It's the one hour plus the hour to get back. So start now. I want to encourage you, trust God. He says it in Malachi chapter 3, like, do this and test me. He's like, he's like I dare you. Just try it. Start somewhere. Some of you need to start with tithing. Take a, take a 90-day challenge to tithing. Just try it. Start somewhere. Some of you say, well, I can't do 10%. Start at a percentage and make a percentage your goal and say, I'm going to start here. And then my goal every year would be to increase that number at least one percentage point. And start somewhere because God really does want you blessed. I know you want you to be blessed. Let's bring the two together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, that, that, that 
we would apply the how-to here. God, I want us to have prosperity. I want us to have enough to meet our needs, Lord God. I really do. I want, I want us, every person, the sound of my voice, I want them to have enough to meet their needs. And even a little bit more than that, God, so that they can begin to meet the needs of others. God, we want to be blessed by you, and we also want to be a blessing to the world around us. God, we pray that you would help us to take these ideas, to take these truths, to take these simple, practical truths from your scripture and begin to apply them. Some of us need to go out and have a, have a good conversation with our spouse and say, hey, babe, it's time to get on budget. Hey, we need to sit down and do the finances together. We need to start praying. What, what's our values? What's our vision for our finances? Uh, we know we want to get debt-free. All right, let's put a plan together. How are we going to get out of debt? How are we going to pay off those student loans and those credit cards? And let's make a plan because I can guarantee you, God wants you to be debt-free. David said it like this in the book of Psalms. He said, God delights in the prosperity of his servant. He does. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be faithful, steward. He wants you to be a great manager of all that he's given you. So God, help us to be that. For some of us, it'll, it'll take just a little bit of work and discipline. For some of us, it'll, it'll, it'll take some prayer. And God, for some of us, it'll just take God, making that tough decision to write that first check or to go open that account and start those steps. God, God, everybody in here needs their own unique and individual step they need to take next, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to them and help them to take those steps, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?